Olá, bem-vindas e bem-vindos. Um bom dia a todos. Eu sou Denise Barbosa e estamos aqui mais uma vez do estúdio da McKinsey em São Paulo para mais um McKinsey Talks. McKinsey já se consolidou como espaço para conversas com os maiores expertos do mundo sobre temas relevantes para a agenda de negócios. E hoje nós vamos falar sobre ecossistemas como estratégias de centralidade no cliente, o caso da Vitality. Vou conversar agora, vou apresentar quem está comigo nesse painel. Estamos recebendo o Jonathan Brumbeck, que é CEO da Vitality Health. Hi, how are you, Jonathan? Hi, good to be with you. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. É, também está conosco por Zoom, Urik Dijan, que é sócia da McKinsey em Stuttgart. Hi, Urik, how are you? Hey, all well. Great to be with you virtually today. Good, great to be with you. Aqui do meu lado, a gente tem o Fabrício Doro, que é sócio da McKinsey em São Paulo. Oi, Fabrício, bem-vindo de volta. Oi, Denise, tudo bem? Sempre um prazer. Hoje, nossa entrevista, que nossa conversa será em inglês. Let's start, Fabrício. All right, let's get started. Uh, so, thank you, Uric, thank you, Jonathan, for joining virtually uh, to the conversation. I'll, I'll kickstart the discussion today talking about uh, the context of ecosystems and why they're important and, and what are ecosystems to, to start with. Um, so they are interconnected services um, based on user needs uh, that fulfill a lot of those needs um, in, the same, in the same service or all together uh, as an integrated experience. Um, they, they are becoming increasingly more important um, because there is a lot of value behind them. Uh, and, and they start uh, individually in each vertical uh, with specific customer needs around um, health, around education, around um, housing, transportation, so on and so forth. Um, and now they, they um, you know, in, in our study, we identified at least 140 billion euros um, in value uh, in ecosystems around the world. With that said, um, what it changes to, to customers is that actually um, they start uh, to go through their journeys in a much more integrated and a much more customer-centric way. Um, so just to give an example around housing, um, from a customer perspective, there's a lot of challenges uh, to find home, to, to rent. Uh, so there's a lot of um, new players um, exploring that space. And there are solutions such as uh, sensor-driven smart homes, uh, comparison platforms, location-based services, so on and so forth, right? Um, and, uh, and we know that they are particularly important for insurers. Uh, so I'll, I'll change and switch here to Uric. Uh, to share a little bit like why ecosystems are important and even more important for insurers. Yeah, often the discussion is around um, who's actually close to the customer in order to know what the customer is doing in order to, to really shape the customer's lives. But if we look at the reality, then of course insurers don't have a lot of touch points today. What you can see here is the, the average touch points uh, on an annual basis and while players like Google, Amazon have like various thousands of touch points. Insurers usually have only a couple of touch points every year, less in life insurance, a bit more in health insurance, um, but still um, quite challenging to be close to the customer. Now, when you look at players like Vitality that we're going to hear a lot about uh, today, then that looks quite different. Um, they have built up a lot of different uh, journeys in everyday life, so things that relate to healthy behaviors from going to the supermarket, going to the gym, doing sports, sleeping well, and really taking that in order to generate value um, for insurance. I think the interesting thing is that um, 
when Vitality started with that, um, it wasn't even really called ecosystem, which is really a buzzword um, that we're hearing a lot about today. Um, but at the same time, I think now in, in these days, ecosystems have really transcended from this buzzword into something that adds real value um, to insurers. And I think it, it shows when Vitality started this, they called it the shared value model, which I think is a great way to think about it. Because in the end, ecosystems are really about win-win-win situations for all the involved players. And for insurance, I think there's a lot to win here. You look at, uh, at it um, along the value chain, then the touch points generated, data that is generated, and also the different products and services really create a lot of value from um, attracting customers and really interesting customers, right? Because they're healthier, they, um, they are interested in, in using digital solutions. It's also about keeping customers. It's about preventing and better assisting um, in, in the claims part and really making lives better. And it's also about creating more contact with the individual to better fit the communication and potentially also think about further products that might fit um, for this individual. And this really comes from a mindset shift that we see here from the insurer as a, an organization that provides protection to actually an organization that provides prevention services before something happens and a lot of services um, around the insurance product. And I think there's nobody better than, than Jonathan Broomberg. Um, I saw you nodding uh, various times already. Um, I think you can explain this much better for the specific context of Vitality. It's a pleasure to have you here. And um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about Vitality in your own words and what the purpose behind it is. Thanks, Ulrike. Thanks uh, very much for inviting me to talk to you guys today. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. So as you said, um, we started the Vitality program almost 30 years ago in South Africa. Um, with a particular insight, which is that most insurers around the world think about the, the insurance risk as static. So for life insurance or health insurance, you get a premium and you know it pretty much stays the same, maybe it changes every couple of years. What, what we started to realize is that we could engage with our customers, help them understand their health better, reward them for changing the way they behaved, and that if you could do that, you can actually bend the risk curve, the insurance risk curve. You could change the real nature of risk. And if you could do that sustainably, you liberate a huge additional surplus in the insurance pool. And that creates created this idea of shared value because we then, as we started to see this manifest, we asked ourselves, look, we could keep all the extra value as profit, um, but, you know, it became very clear to us that a way to make the business more sustainable is to share that value with the other stakeholders, first and foremost, our customers. And how do you share value with the customers? You give them lower premiums, you give them enhanced benefits in their insurance protection, and you give them greater rewards for looking after their health. And of course, you share some of the value with the shareholders. And by the way, in health insurance ecosystems, Ulrika, we share some of the value with the providers. So there's an overlap between shared value insurance 
and what many people call value-based care in healthcare, because there you want to reward a doctor or a hospital for delivering better outcomes to your health insurance clients. So that model all fits together, and that's really the heart of Vitality. Um, as I say, we, we've been doing it for three decades. Mm -hmm. in, we are now in 31 countries around the world um, with over, well over 20 million clients engaging with Vitality in different ways. I can obviously give you more detail, but I'll stop now and uh, hand back to you. Super. And I want to follow up uh, the, the, the point you mentioned on um, the customer behavior and the rewards. Uh, I think there's something so special about this win-win-win, um, right, the shared value. And, and that's how it makes the, the whole thing work, right? It goes around. It's almost like the flywheel of, of the system in a way. Um, and, um, and, and what we realized um, through research we've been doing in the last few years is that it, it's shifting the balance towards uh, from transactional benefits towards emotional and social uh, rewards um, to customers. Uh, and I know that uh, you know, Vitality has been working a lot uh, on identifying uh, what, are, what are the rewards that, rewards that really move and change behavior uh, and really kind of deeper into behavior science. So I just want to you know, try to understand a little bit more, like how does it work? Like how do you identify, how do you try and test new ideas and, and how it works, the, this changing behavior? Right. Thanks, Fabricio. Yes, I mean, as I say, it's been, uh, it's been 30 years of experimentation. <laughs> um, and, you know, we learn as we go along. The, I think let me share a few of the lessons we've learned in the last uh, few years. The first is that rewards, people respond to rewards on different cycles. So people enjoy frequent rewards. And by definition, those are likely to be smaller. So whereas if you go back five or 10 years, we were offering rewards on an annual basis, much lower premiums, a certain number of very cheap airline tickets a year, movie tickets. What we discovered by trying out in a few markets is that in addition to those rewards, people engage very actively if you give a more frequent, like a weekly reward. So in many of our markets now, we have a product called Vitality Active Rewards. This is usually tied firstly to a physical activity goal for the week. So it's personalized for each customer. And so we will know, let's say you Fabricio or Ulrika, We'll, we'll know how much you generally exercise. We'll try and stretch that a little bit over time. And we'll say, if you do four sessions of, you know, uh, of certain intensity this week, you'll get a free coffee. Um, or you can choose a smoothie or a coffee. So it's a relatively low value, but frequent reward. And it's generally quite easily achievable as long as people keep up their activities. So one concept is frequency. Another concept that we've started to experiment with very successfully in parts of the world is much greater personalization. So moving from one size fits all, it's a rewards program for the whole customer base, now to a program where we would, you know, using algorithms and all the data we have, the program would look different for Ulrika than it would look for you, Fabricio. If it, let's say, you know, one of you is a bit older, you have maybe diabetes and you're at risk for high blood pressure, you would get rewarded 
for visiting the doctor four times a year, for making sure you take your medicine every day, um, for checking your blood sugar and your blood pressure. Whereas Ulrika, who doesn't have those problems, is rewarded for physical activity and, and eating well. I'm just giving you some extreme examples, but you know there are many dimensions. The other point I must emphasize is that every country we're in, the customers are different in the rewards they enjoy, um, the brands that they want to see as Vitality Partners, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to be quick on our feet. We always do this with local partners. We've never gone into a vitality program in a country outside our home territories alone. And we learn you know, with our partners, including by the way in Brazil, where our partner is Prudential of Brazil. Fantastic. And uh, and before before jumping and, and sharing with Urike, she's she's gonna you know ask you the next question. Uh, just want to follow up with something that uh, it was interesting from our our previous discussion, right? How a coffee on the weekend can be much more powerful than uh, just regular messages. We we were playing with this idea of the bacon and the broccoli, right? Everybody wants the broccoli, but the bacon is what moves you. Is is that yeah. how it is? <laughs> You know, the, the, the most fundamental principle behind the behavioral science here is a very interesting uh, phenomenon that's, that's linked to the way our brains are wired as human beings. One of the things that, that we understand now is that our brains are wired to, to discount future risk. So we never think the bad thing will happen to us. It'll always happen to other people. And we, we overcount, we put a premium on current rewards. So you want the bacon now and you'll have, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll not worry about the heart attack in 20 years time. And so one of the tricks of vitality, if you like, one of the, the, the motivating elements is to bring the rewards of good behavior into the present. In other words, you know, let's give you the coffee every few days because you get a reward for your good activity. Um, so it is the behavioral science, as you say. And, um, you know, the more we do, the more we learn about what works, what doesn't work. It's different for different ages. It's different in different societies and different cultures. Super. Very good. And you mentioned different, um, different kinds of benefits. Um, how would you describe the main value that uh, Vitality brings both to individuals, but also to the insurance side? Sure. So, I mean, let, let me start with the with individuals. Um, principally, at the end of the day, what we, if, if I think about health insurance or life insurance, and by the way, you know, in some of our markets, we also have Vitality for, for vehicle insurance. We use the same kind of approach to incentivize good driving behavior. And we use telematics to track driving behavior and we reward good drivers. So the, the, the benefit for the customer here, I think, is, um, is in a few categories. Fundamentally, the most important benefit is, uh, is helping customers to live a healthier life. Um, and we just published in the last week uh, a, a fantastic new piece of, uh, of research, which we call Vitality Healthy Futures. And this uh, published our data on the concept of not lifespan, which 
many people have been speaking about for many decades, but health span. The idea is that, you know, the average life expectancy for a woman today, you know, would be uh, mid to late 80s. But the average woman will live with 10 or 12 years of poor health. And the question is, can we stretch the time when you live in good health and shorten the time before, you know, before the end of your life when you live in poor health? So the deepest benefit for customers is that they, they live a healthier life and a longer life in good health. Um, that also benefits the society, Ulrika, because a healthy, a healthy, uh, you know, healthy individuals create healthy employers because of more productivity and healthy families and healthy society. Of course, a secondary benefit for, for customers is they often, if they engage well with the program, will have lower premiums than, than you can, they could get from competitor insurers. And they'll often have richer benefits. You know, we're in our most successful markets, an example would be the United Kingdom or South Africa, uh, brokers and competitors say to us, it's impossible. How can you be offering premiums that are lower than ours? And how can you be more profitable? And how can you have richer benefits? You're defying gravity. You must be, you must be doing something with your financials. The truth is that if you can change behavior, you can defy gravity in insurance. You know, that's the point. The, the win for insurers, Ulrike, you mentioned already in the introduction, you, you talked about the health insurance value chain. And, and if you have a good engagement with a program like this, firstly, you attract a better risk of customer. And that's true in health, in life insurance, and in motor vehicle, in, in driving insurance. And in banking, we've also seen that in banking now. Secondly, as you said, you selectively retain better customers because the more people are engaged with the program, the richer their rewards, the better their premiums, the less likely they are to leave. And so over time, as Fabricio said, it's a flywheel. The, the, the customers who are, are higher risk and less engaged will leave you and go to competitors and your risk pool gets better and better. And that's the win for the insurer. And it does become a self-reinforcing system. And you said before, this is now live in 31 countries, which is really impressive. Do yeah. you see any differences between these countries or any, any learnings from, these, from this global expansion? Uh, you know, as I said, I think every day we learn. Um, every, every country is different. The customers are different. Their price sensitivities are different. The way they value rewards are different. The way they engage is different. So although you'll see a very similar structure in Brazil or in China or in the UK or in Singapore, uh, you will see inside the structure very, very different content. So the broad structure, as you showed on that figure of eight orikes, there's a set of rewards and incentives for people to understand their health better or to understand their driving better. And then there's a set of incentives and rewards to help them change their behavior. And so although the structure is the same, everything changes as you go from market to market. You would see some things in common. For example, we learned at least before COVID that one very powerful mechanism across all markets is reduce the cost of access to gyms. 
to places where people can exercise. And if you can make that very cheap or even free, you can change the way people behave dramatically, remove the price barrier. So that's common. But many other things like the nature of more frequent rewards vary from market to market. And we learn something new every day. Jonathan, you mentioned that you are already in Brazil. How it's been so far? Well, thanks for the question. It's been very exciting. Uh, as I said, our, our, our partner is the Prudential. We're very new uh, in your beautiful country. We actually only launched with our partner, the Prudential, in June of this year. So right in the middle of COVID, who would have known? Um, really only a few months ago. Um, we are embedding the Vitality Program into all of the individual life insurance products uh, that, that the Prudential offers in Brazil, so existing and new customers. Um, so far, the, the response has been tremendous. We are heading for nearly 400,000 customers who've engaged already just in a few months. Uh, you know, that's a very, very fast start from our point of view. So all the signs are very good. We're very excited to be in a, in a country with the size and the, the economic potential of Brazil. Um, it's our second adventure in, you know, in, in, in Latin America. We have a, a, a partnership with a health insurer in Ecuador, but we see huge potential in the region and, of course, in your country as well. So, so Jonathan, um, just want to uh, go back and, and, and check with you some points that I think are quite interesting of the model and just understand a little bit more. Um, uh, what, what is Vitality's thinking on um, subscription model and, and, and the paid loyalty uh, scheme? Is that how it works? Is, is that the same in, in, in all the countries that you operate? Thanks, that's a, a very important question. And it, the, the answer, as you might expect, is it varies in different markets. So we find the very best model is when the, the vitality element is what we like to say is baked into the insurance product. It's part of the product. Um, and when you buy the product, you get the vitality wellness program almost as part of your purchase. And that's the ideal model. Often when we do that, and a good example will be the UK, um, we will embed a, what we might think of as a light model with some rewards into the product and then give people a, quite a low cost monthly additional premium to buy up to the richer rewards um, and the full program. So it's, it's a little bit like a freemium model uh, you get the first part just with your life insurance or your health insurance. And then if you want to bump up the rewards and get a really advanced program, you pay a small extra premium. And it's relatively small compared to the total insurance premium. And that model we find works well. There are some markets, um, our, our home country of South Africa is a good example, where by law, we are not allowed to embed the vitality program into the insurance products. The regulator does not allow that. Then we sell it alongside health and life insurance as a buy-up, uh, almost like a rider, and it's voluntary. So people can buy or not buy, um, and you can buy the pure health without the vitality, or you can buy both, but it's a separate purchase. So it it's, it's, depends where you go, what kind of model we use. Got it. 
Um, out of curiosity, is it something that you tested as well? Like how people engage based on, or is it more just a situational? No, um, I think we, we kind of, we, we have tested it. So in South Africa, we always had to sell it separately. Um, in the UK, we tested different models and this idea of a light model incorporated in, embedded plus a buy-up seems to be what works best. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it clearly also can then cater for many different levels of income and different price sensitivities to the product. Fantastic. Uh, and the other point um, that also stuck with me is the, the richness of data, right? For you to, to do something, uh, you know, like this. Um, and, and I bet like you track a lot of the, the you know, the behavior that people have in the, in the platform. Is there, uh, is there a channel, like is there an app that people usually do it? Like how, how, how do you deal with the data in general? Because it might be like an immense amount of data. Yeah, so thanks Fabricio, it's a great question. I mean, before I get to the data, I think this is a good moment to remind ourselves about the ecosystem here. Mm -hmm. And what's been so exciting for us in recent years is as digital tools have, have flourished, and every person can afford, almost every person, a, a wearable fitness device. Um, and, you know, you have various other um, health monitors like blood pressure, blood sugar, and all of these things, you know, becoming very affordable. We suddenly have access to a huge amount of rich biometric data. So whereas if you go back five or 10 years, we had, we had claims data if you were a, a, an insurance client. And then once a year, we would encourage you and reward you for doing what we call the vitality health check. So you would, you would visit a network provider like a pharmacy um, or, a, or, or a physician, and we would do some blood tests and some fitness assessments. So that was once a year. Now picture this, this you know, I wear an Apple watch, but many people wear Garmin or Fitbit and we are collecting literally billions of data points every month from millions of customers on heart rate during exercise. Um, we, because we have credit card products in some countries, we know exactly what food people are buying. Is it healthy or unhealthy food? Um, so we have insurance claims data and a huge amount of biometric data. And we spend an enormous effort curating that data, building algorithms, analyzing it, and then using it to improve the program. So one of the big directions, Fabricia, of improvement is more accurate prediction of future illness. So we have an algorithm now in operation in South Africa, which will predict very accurately the, the risk that a customer will develop diabetes at least three years in advance. Okay, it's very accurate. And what we now do is we reach out to that person and we say, look, this is what the data suggests. Um, would you enroll in a program? It won't cost you anything more. In fact, you'll get more rewards, but we can help you avoid this diabetes. And you know that's one example, there are many, many others. So the data is a hugely valuable asset that comes out of the ecosystem and can be used again, Ulrika, for win-win-win, right? Better pricing, better products, better health for the customer. 
Um, it, it's really a very powerful product of the ecosystem. And um, what we've done in our Vitality technology, and maybe we can talk more about that, is create a tech platform that can connect to every single possible source of data. So whether whatever fitness device you use, we can connect with very easily. Um, it doesn't link to only one type of watch or, 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 or one kind of wearable device. Um, so let me stop there, Fabricio. That would have been my next question, by the way. I mean, many insurers actually know about the vision and have good plans for what they want to do, but really struggle to put this into reality. Yeah. How did you go about both the technology setup, but also the organizational aspect and uh, the people behind that? Yeah, look, Ulrika, I think, you know, it's easy to, to, to have 2020 vision when you're looking backwards. Um, and so, you know, a lot of where we are now, I think, is, if you like, the lack or the product of decades of incremental innovation. So I think today, when I look at big global insurers who are trying to build an ecosystem from scratch, you know, I get heart palpitations because this is a very tough thing to do. It's very expensive and it's very complicated. Um, we have had the luxury, if you like, of gradually building both the partner networks, the reward systems, the technology, and then improving it as we go along. Of course, you know, you, you might expect me to be honest, which I am going to be, which is if you've been around 30 years, you've also got legacy, um, you know, in your systems. And so we're, we modernize all the time. And we, we're building new systems all the time. One of the things that you know, has to be done now is, is a platform uh, technology has to be in the cloud. A few years ago, we were on-premise wherever we were. We're now moving to the cloud. Secondly, given the scale now and the geogra geographic scope, we have to have multilingual, multi-currency, multi-tenant technology. It has to be you know, quickly adapted to a new market, to new kinds of customers, new rewards. So we do have the advantage of, of long experience and modules and components in our cupboard. Um, on the other hand, I think we're, we're building very quickly like our competitors are with the modern modular technology as well. And I think the, you know, just, just building on the, on the organizational part, um, it, with the, the, the international expansion uh, it also means expanding capabilities you know, to other parts of the world. Um, it puts a stretch on technology as well. Uh, just to, you know, just to understand how you guys are dealing with that, like this, this expansion, also the expand, expanding the technology, right, and the capabilities. Now look, it's a very good question, and and to be very honest, that is one of the big challenges, because building and sustaining a global scale technology platform and 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 you know that has to operate in all these different countries in different languages etc you know the companies that get that right globally are microsoft with teams zoom you know and by the way those are very simple platforms compared to vitality <laughs> because teams is teams is teams if we're in brazil or stuttgart or johannesburg uh, or sao paulo it's teams, right? And maybe the only difference is the language. 
but our vitality program is different in all those countries. So it's a big challenge. We are we're learning how to do it. We get we work very closely with partners. McKinsey is an important advisor to us uh, uh, often along the way. Um, it is a challenge to scale it in this way, keep it completely modern, also keep it sustainable and affordable. Um, so I won't lie to you. I think that is one of the big challenges that any organization operating at global scale with an, an ecosystem platform has to understand uh, and has to get right. And it's not simple. Okay, wonderful. So thank you very much, Jonathan, Uric, Fabrício, for the conversation. It was amazing, very interesting. Muito obrigada também a você de casa que passou os últimos minutos com a gente. Eu convido você a visitar o mackinstalks.com. Lá tem nossa agenda completa, os episódios anteriores. E nos próximos dias, esse episódio também vai estar disponível lá. E para quem gosta de áudio, de podcast, todo o nosso material também está disponível no Spotify. Muito obrigada, um beijo, bom fim de semana e se cuide. Tchau, tchau.